Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Hey, why don't you turn to two or three people, welcome them to church really quick. Let them know you love them. Say Merry Christmas or something. Give them a hug. I cannot believe it's Christmas time, man. How many of you thought from like July to now it went fast? Anybody else like me? Like it went really fast. I had a professor in college once and he said, he goes, you think time goes fast now? He's like, wait till you get married. And then he's like, after you get married, wait till you have kids. And he's like, then you like won't be able to keep track of the decades, you know? And like, it does, it goes fast. I saw a post recently, too, that just kind of made me cry a little bit. And it was like, there's three stages in a man's life. When he believes in Santa Claus, when he plays Santa Claus at parties, and when he starts looking like Santa Claus. And I got, like, more white in my beard this year than ever before. And I'm like, Jesus, here's my future, man. Like, this is it. I'm Santa Claus. Like, it's going to be good. Uh, If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 9 to kick us off today. Isaiah chapter 9, and this is going to be kind of our premise for the whole series, okay? I'm going to teach a little bit today because I got to... I got to get through this with us, okay? We gotta, we're going to slow down, and I'm going to teach today. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Okay, speaking of of Jesus and the birth of Jesus. Now John 3, 16, 17, real quick. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. How many of you have ever been at the wrong place at the wrong time? Anybody ever been at the wrong place at the wrong time? One time in college, I congratulated a lady on her new expecting child, but she wasn't pregnant. You liked me until I confessed that, didn't you? I know. I never did that again. I just came in the wrong moment to the wrong conversation. I thought it was going a certain way. I thought it was the right thing to do. And God, did I want to get out of that room really fast. Wrong place at the wrong time. Emily, you can go ahead and show this quick video. Here's a gentleman that is the wrong place at the wrong time, beginning to work at his job here, and uh, he just went an inch the wrong way. Five million dollars worth of inventory destroyed. (laughs) You thought you had a bad day this week until you saw that. That's the wrong, it's still going, isn't that amazing? I mean, in his defense, that is not stable. Like, that's... That is not stable. Okay, you can take that down. Wrong place at the wrong time. Really quick, the story of Jay and Carmen Martinez. They newlyweds, and they boarded a honeymoon cruise on the Norwegian Jewel. And uh, they were expecting an amazing cruise, about a week-long cruise for their honeymoon. And then a little thing called COVID broke out, and they were stuck over a month in limbo at sea being turned down, you know, from port to port. They're just stuck in the Pacific Ocean, floating around aimlessly. Uh, You know, your cabin quickly goes from a honeymoon cabin to a prison cell, doesn't it, really fast? Like, if you're stuck there with nowhere to go, the wrong 
wrong place at the wrong time. Um, why did God the Father send Jesus Christ to the earth, church? Because we were in trouble. We were in the wrong situation at the wrong time. We're stuck in a position that we could not get out of on our own. Uh, we were in trouble. We're in trouble. Um, it's been said that you don't know how sweet your Savior is until you know how gross your sin actually was. And I think there's some truth to that. It's easy to talk about Jesus and to get excited perhaps, but to understand the depth of what God did, we kind of need to see what he rescued us from and the seriousness of the position that we found ourselves in. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were all in the wrong place at the wrong time. Psalms 143 says, Don't bring your servant into judgment, for no one living is righteous before you. No one. What is the one thing that we all have in common as human beings? There's a few things that we all have in common, regardless of where we started in life. We all have pain. Everybody has pain. There's not a single human being alive that doesn't have some level of pain in their story. That, that kind of ties us together. Number two, we all have sin. We all have sin. Everyone has sin. Everybody has been the victim of sin. Everybody's been the villain of sin. We've all partook at some level in sin. No one living before you, the Bible says, is righteous. I'm not saying this this morning to condemn anybody here because, again, I've just included myself in that. I am saying this this morning to humble all of us. We live in a day and age where everyone firmly believes they are on the side of the angels, that they are right and someone else is wrong. I would like to humbly submit to all of us that we are all wrong somewhere. I don't say this to condemn us. I say it to humble us. Everyone has sin. I find it fascinating in this day and age that as we read the Bible, are we telling God that he's wrong or are we asking the question, where am I wrong? As I read the word, have I considered I might be the one that needs an adjustment? Pride is never wrong. Humility considers it could be wrong. Pride is never wrong in its own eyes. Humility says, maybe it is me. The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, but that God resists the proud. Why can't God give grace to the proud? Because you can't give anything to the proud. They already believe they have it all. Isn't that interesting? You can't give anything to a proud person because they already believe they have it all. Um, that's why the Bible says God blesses the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit know they have a bankruptcy. They, they know they're missing something. And so they're open to what God might want to do in their life. Sin in the English language comes from a medieval word. And we're going to dive into the Greek here in just a second. But, but simply put, it means missing the mark. Medieval archers would fire at a target, and if they would miss the bullseye, the person by the target would shout back, sin. In other words, you've missed the bullseye. You've missed the mark of what you're aiming for. Anytime we sin, we're missing the mark of God's character, of his love, of his 
truth. In order to sin, I simply do what I want instead of what God wants. That's pretty much what it comes down to. This is the pride aspect. To sin, I have to kind of say, no, I'm right and God is wrong. And the reason we miss the mark is because now I've missed perfect truth, perfect love, and perfect holiness. When I say no to him, I miss the mark. All loving relationships have boundaries. And this is just a very, I think, just universal picture of loving relationships. They have boundaries. Uh, I have boundaries for my children. Don't play in the street. That's a boundary. Why do I have that boundary for them? I don't want to see them get hit by a car. Can my two-year-old process that? No, which is why I have the boundary, right? They'll get mad sometimes at me, but I'm still keeping the boundary. Could I suggest today that the intelligence gap between me and my toddler, the intelligence gap between me and God is yet infinitely greater. God is infinitely more wise and intelligent and knowledgeable and loving and holy than I am. And so God gives me some boundaries, some of which maybe I don't like, but I could suggest to you today that there is a reason why the boundary exists. Us, in our ignorance and our pride, we will love to push past these boundaries sometimes. You know, the word of God is, oh, it's from antiquity. You know, it's lost its relevancy, and, and we think we're so smart. I just wonder if maybe the trick isn't on us sometimes. He's infinitely smarter. God isn't just smart, he's wise. You know, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. That's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. God is knowledgeable and he's wise. How many of you had the right knowledge, but you did it in the wrong way, right? That's wisdom. Now we're growing in wisdom. God is infinitely wiser than we are. I've realized sometimes that the boundaries aren't, maybe aren't even for me. They're for other people. Isn't it funny how sometimes we're like, well, I'm going to get everything I want, and we don't even process how many people we've heard along the way getting everything we've wanted. I just wonder sometimes if God didn't tell me to sit down, not for me, but for other people. You know? Like there's just infinitely wise. So we're missing the mark of love. We're missing the mark of holiness, right? For believers today to say that God should only bless us, answer our prayers, and that God has no business ever giving us a boundary, I would say, is pretty spiritually narcissistic of us. I know nobody likes that point, but I need to pastor today. To say that he should love me and then be okay with all of my behavior is pretty spiritually self-centered. I love my kids with all my heart. It's an unconditional love. But to say that I could never correct their behavior is just stupid. That's just stupid. God is never after your identity. He will address everyone's behavior. There is a difference between you, the person, and your identity, and then sometimes the goofy things we do. He's never after your identity. He made the identity but he will adjust your behavior. He'll adjust everybody's behavior. And at some point, he will tell you something you don't want to hear. That is the common thing that all believers that have ever tried to follow Jesus for the last 2,000 years have had to face. God will tell me something that steps on my toes. Okay? This is the essence of, of discipleship. In the Greek, 
That is the word harmartia. And I love this. Okay, so this word sin, this concept of sin, hamartia, and the way the New Testament writers would write it, and the way the Greeks would often use this word, okay, are you ready for this? They would describe, ready, the fatal flaw in Greek tragedies, the fatal flaw that that hero or heroine had that brought them down in the end was hamartia. We all have this fatal flaw that exists, right, in our flesh that without Christ brings us down. Every single person fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3, there is no one righteous, not even one. No one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away, all together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Wow. I mean, Paul just, you ever just read Paul sometimes and you're like, wow, I need help right? Sometimes the Bible doesn't pull its punches, and everyone has fallen short. The wild thing about sin is how self-deceiving sin can be. I believe I'm 100% right, when in reality, I'm 100% wrong. Church, it takes a miracle of the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the wrong that you're doing. It takes a miracle of the Holy Spirit to show you what's actually happening in your life. It really does. And when the Holy Spirit talks to you, this is not a bad day. This is a good day. Because he's trying to get you on the right road again. We're on the wrong road going the wrong direction, and we don't even know it. In all ages and all cultures, all cultures have idols. Every culture in every age has idols. And an idol doesn't just have to be a wooden statue, doesn't have to be a gold statue. Idols can be a lot of different things. In essence, an idol is anything I give my strength, faith, and worship to above God. That's an idol. Um, in our culture, I would make a really strong argument that lust and greed are our two top idols. Fame is probably creeping up to be a close third, okay? So all cultures everywhere around the world in all ages have idols. What's funny about a fish, a fish doesn't know it's swimming in water. And when you grow up in a culture, you don't even know you're swimming in idolatry because it's all you've ever known. And then we become Christians and we open the Bible and we read the Bible and we have a decision as we begin to pick up Christ and as we begin to pick up kingdom culture and we read, well, is God wrong or is my culture wrong? Because every culture confronts the word of God and the word of God confronts every culture. And every Christian as they read has to kind of decide, well, is my culture right or is God's word right? Am I right or is God's word right? And this is a wrestling match that happens in our souls. But to come to the place of maybe God's word is right and maybe I'm wrong, that is a miracle of the Holy Spirit. It is a miracle of the Holy Spirit. All cultures and all places have idols. I think it's interesting, the Bible says, let me go back to fame for a moment. There's something kind of creeping into the body of Christ right now. We think all fame is blessed by God. Not all fame is blessed by God. You know, because it's becoming an idol for us. Everybody wants to be famous, which is cool. I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem if you're famous. There's people in our church who have way more followers than I do. And I, that's awesome. You're way cuter and funnier and more charismatic than me anyway. That's fine. Go for it. You know, do your thing. 
But just because someone is famous doesn't mean they have God's anointing. Doesn't mean they have God's hand on their life. The Bible says, well done, good and faithful servant. It doesn't say, well done, good and famous servant. I mean, right? What's faithfulness? Showing up again and again and again. Doing the right thing again and again and again. Come on, saying no to temptation again and again and again and again and again and again. Uh-oh, I know, nobody's going to like this. Just come back next Sunday, okay? It's praising God Sunday after Sunday after Sunday until someone hears. It's shouting praise until someone's chains are broken. And I'll show up October and November and December and into 2024. That's faithfulness. It's pouring coffee again and again and again and again. It's teaching again and again and again. It is not hard to do this one Sunday. It's hard to do this 52 Sundays again and again and again and again. Can I just open up my life? I can teach one message. (laughs) I got to go back next week and do it again. Well done, good and faithful servant. It's week after week after week. Charity could easily lead four songs and be done. It's again and again and again and again. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come on. The secret isn't in our fame. It's in our faithfulness. Here's another one. Health isn't in the fame. It's in the faithfulness. Well done isn't in the fame. It's in the faithfulness. There's something about being faithful. It takes a miracle of the Holy Spirit to show me where I'm actually going, what I'm actually doing, and where I'm actually at with God's word. I do not want a Christianity where I cater it all to myself. I don't want a catered Christianity. I want a Christocentric Christianity. I want a Christianity that is centered on Christ. Christ gets to call the shots. He gets to tell me where the boundaries are. He gets to tell me what my life is supposed to do, right? If not, I end up with a catered Christianity, which is, I'm afraid, what so much of modern Christianity has become. Why are you talking about this, Pastor? Because I want us to become a healthy, Christ-centered house. And in order to become a Christ-centered house, to be a Christ-centered Christmas, we have to have this conversation. Where are we going? Is Christianity all about me? (laughs) You know, one of the funniest things as a pastor, I don't have a lot of time, don't worry, I'm not going to meddle long, but people are like, I don't like the worship song. It ain't about you. If I was singing your praises, I would check in with your opinion. But it ain't about you. It's not about you. I don't like that 30 minutes. It's not about you. I'm here to serve you, but I'm not here just to serve you. I want to serve the presence of the Holy Spirit. I want to serve the glory of Christ. I want to serve Jesus. Not about you. It's about you, but it's not all about you. Somebody's got to start saying this in the body of Christ. It's not all about us and my blessing and my feelings and my follow. God does not need us. We need him. Thank you for the four amens on that. 
The Bible says in the last days, people become lovers of themselves. Second Timothy 3, he said there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. You know, you can make yourself an idol. You really can. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. I want a powerful, power-filled Christianity. For that to happen, I must be spirit-dominated and not fleshly-dominated. What does that mean to be spirit-filled and to be a power-filled Christian, right? God gives me the spirit for self-control. God pours out his spirit not so I can control somebody else's flesh, so I can control my own flesh. Come on, self-control. Me picking up my cross, dying to me, following Jesus I say no to myself. I say yes to him. I don't just have a form of worship. I'm actually worshiping. The highest form of worship is obedience. It's obedience. The highest form of worship is obedience. How do you know if Jesus really is your Lord, you're able to obey him? That's how you actually know. Not if you can sing three songs. You actually obey him. Now you're worshiping because now you're dying to self and he is living, Christ is living inside of you. I know this is not a cute Christmas message and you just need to stay with me. It's okay. This is the sneaky thing sin does to us. I love myself and my ways more than I love God and his ways. It turns my heart back to me away from him. Proverbs 14, there's a way that appears right to a person, but in the end it leads to death. It feels good all the way until it's not. We're in trouble. We're in the wrong road, going the wrong direction. We don't even know it. So what does God do, guys? What does God do? What does God do with the people in trouble? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved and rescued. What does God do? He could have left us in this position, but he chose not to. Think about that. His holiness could have definitely said, yeah, it's a lost cause, but his love said it's not a lost cause. His love said, no, no, they're not lost. I'm going to go get them. Some of my favorite movies of all time are the Christian Bale Batman movies. I like George Clooney and all. Okay, Val Kilmer, cool. Okay, nobody beats Christian Bale in the Batman movies. Okay, that's not even up for debate. Okay, that's not up for debate. Okay, best Batman movies ever. Okay. And there's a scene, I'm going to play it in a second for us here. There's a scene where Batman has to climb out of this pit, okay, to go back to a city that he rescues. So take a moment, watch this, give it up for Batman, right? I'm Batman. I love that movie. And that prison is such a wild image, I think, of what is happening in our life. But they built that prison in the movie, right, with this idea of, like, we're going to give the prisoners hope. They can see light, but there's no way to escape, right? We have found ourselves in the prison of sin, and there is no escape, not even for Batman. We are in a prison that no one could ever, ever climb out of, right? Not even our hero, right? Not even Batman, not Superman. There is, there's no hero that, that is coming for this one in that sense. No one can climb out. And so God sees the position we're in. He sees the prison that we have found ourselves in.
No one can climb out, and so God climbs in. This is Jacob's ladder. This is his vision, a ladder coming down from heaven, angels ascending and descending on it. God's saying, hey, you can't get to me, but I'm going to come down and I'm going to get to you. And Jesus will climb into your prison. And I love this. You don't just get to watch your hero climb out. He takes you by the hand and he climbs you out. And he climbed into our prison and he stayed in our prison. He healed the sick in our prison. He loved on people. He hugged. He cried. He laughed. He built relationships in the prison. And then he flooded the whole prison with his grace. What has God done at Christmas? He's invaded our prison. This is why he's the light of the world. This is why he's the hope of the world. He came into a hopeless spiritual situation and he has brought a great light. For unto us, right, a son is born. Everything is on his shoulders and he will flood your life with goodness and grace. Why do you follow Jesus, pastor? Because he did something for me I could never ever do for myself. Why do you let him tell you what to do? Isn't that crazy? I mean, that is a little insane. I let a man from 2,000 years ago tell me how to live my life. That is a little nuts, isn't it? I mean, if you really think about it, like, that's, that's crazy. But I've never been loved like this. I've never been rescued like this. I've never had anybody be able to come into my life, flood my life with grace and hope and peace and take my hand and say, let's walk out of this thing together. That is exactly what God has done for you. And Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas is all about. It is God invading your prison and your space. If you are a believer here today, let me close with this. Two application points. If you're a believer here today and you're like, Pastor, I've received Jesus. I'm trying to follow him. Psalms 139, this beautiful, beautiful passage from David. He said, investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. In other words, God, search my heart. Search my life. If you're a believer here today, would you take a fresh, humble look at your life to see if it's in line with God's word or not today? I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to argue with you. But would you go back and re-examine the word of God in your own heart? Lord, am I living for myself or am I living for you? What a beautiful thing. Today, if you do not know Jesus, and this is all brand new to you and you've never heard anything even remotely like this, but you're really excited to hear this news, I would say that God loves you. He's here for you. The Bible says that if we believe, we repent of our sins, we confess them with our mouth, that we will be rescued. We'll be saved. How do I get Jesus to enter my prison? We open up our heart. And we say, God, invade my life, invade my space, rescue me. I know I'm going the wrong way, but I need you and I need love. Amen. Let's all close our eyes for a moment. Let's pray. This morning, if you're in here and you're just like, yo, pastor, I really, really needed to hear that. Would you just shoot your hand up really quick? Because I think it's a whole chunk of us. I love this. Look at that. I love this. All right. Let me just pray for everybody here really quick. Heavenly Father, I love this church. I love this crowd. Lord, you love them a million times more. Lord, would you help all of us? say no to our flesh, say yes to Jesus. Lord, would you help all of us get back on that right road to put you first, to put your word first. Lord, would you dismantle all of our idols in Jesus' name? We give you the glory. Amen, amen. Hey, would you give it up for Jesus really quick one more time? Today was beautiful.
Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.